Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. That was my attempt to (laughs) add vibrato with finding my Adam's apple. Um, Gosh, Lucas. uh, Well, I'm not sure what day this episode's coming out, but, you know, recently, as the fans know, we did have some pretty significant issues with Apple Podcasts. And due to that, I I went back in and I had to just change a whole bunch of stuff up with our um, episodes and how they were presented in our RSS Rootscape feed. Um, (laughs) and OSRS feed. Yeah. And goddamn, I I was just looking at some of our old titles. (laughs) And <laughs> I, I am just so blown away with how good our first Anything Possible titles were. Um, I mean, like, all right. And, and for those that, you know, I mean, we're not really doing the Anything Possible nomenclature anymore, so that's kind of gone in a way. But, man, when we were doing it and we had no idea what we were talking about in these episodes, it was so fucking good. I mean, fucking <laughs> Anything's Possible 1, Disruption. <laughs> I remember that we were just talking about like, uh, like, uh, disruption, like tech disruption, like, yeah, uh, yeah. like Silicon Valley disruption, bullshit stuff. Yeah. And they just kept getting better. Like I think it's possible to Tinder is a dating sim. <laughs> it is. My favorite. It is. <laughs> Anything's possible. Three election night sims. <laughs> Dude, we recorded that on election night. I know we did. We did. It was like very mellow or like it was very melancholy because we thought Trump was going to win again. Yeah, because um, he was favorite to win polls. the night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, anything is possible. Actually, this might be my favorite. <laughs> I remember this one. This is um actually ironically right after I had a Tinder date, we recovered. We we, did, we um recorded this one and I remember I um, was talking about it. But yeah, anyway, anything's possible for our slash nice guys. That was a good one. That was a, that such was a good one. one. Um, and then we got a little bit more kosher with them. Um, anything's possible. Eight clapping is hard. Anything's possible. Nine video game jank. And that once they actually got more topical, we got less creative oh, the, with our, the jank one. Uh-huh. That was like our first real like lecture series episode. I think I just went over like the definition of jank. It was yeah. probably not that good. But. Yeah. Might want to have producer Sam reread that one for the, uh, or rewatch that one for the or listen to that one for the culture due to his upcoming yeah, project he's working on. Sure. But yeah, I mean, just wow. I we we used to we we used to have so much fun on this podcast. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> hey, ch- well, no, check this out. I mean, in December 2020, we have an anything's possible called accessibility in gaming, and we broke down like accessibility in in gaming, and we covered like the cyberpunk release that had just happened in in 2020. That that's a, mm-hmm. that sounds like a good episode. I, I'd go back and listen to that one. No, it was good. We had every episode's a great episode here on the Thanks for Playing podcast, but hot dog, <laughs> just the uh, election night simps. That might that's just like the best like three words I've ever heard put together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how about how about uh, we did uh, the fall of Dreamcast in March 2021? That was that was a really good episode. Lesson. Yeah, uh, you know what right else was really played good? Your favorite the, game, Jet Set Radio. Oh my god, I fucking oh, I hate that game so much. So that cool. is actually, mm, let me think. That, that could not be, be the worst game. That could not be the worst game. There's no way. I don't know if I'll call it the worst game. That is probably my least favorite game at the very least that we've played for the podcast. Wow. I think I disliked it more than I disliked Met- Super Metroid. 
whoa, dude, a way out. I liked a, a way, way out. Su- a way yeah. out sucked. <laughs> I had fun playing a way out. <laughs> okay, a way that out made was one sick. of us. That makes one of us. <laughs> I uh, had fun playing that game because it was so fucking funny and dude, bad. We were doing it together. <laughs> SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated was pretty bad. That one was pretty bad too. I forgot about that one. Uh, holy shit just scrolling through our episodes is pretty great 12 minutes 12 minutes 12 minutes was really bad damn we've played some bad games <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have. dude brothers that game wasn't good brothers was pretty bad i i think i shot on that game when we recorded it too because i was i had mono when we recorded that i remember oh yeah so i was yeah, just dang. like look i feel like shit i felt like shit the whole time i played this game yeah and i'm recording yeah no, that was that was a fun one and heavy rain, control, some cuphead. Oh man. Yeah. Played a lot of we, video games. We have played a lot of video games, man. Portal, Ocarina, To the Moon, Hitman 3. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, too, some of our best ones were the ones we first did. Like Ober Din. Maybe not the yeah. best like episode quality wise, but like some of our favorite games, at least that we've done for the podcast. Oberdin was Out- fucking incredible. Yeah. Outer Wilds was fucking incredible. Titan Stanley Fall, Parable, Stanley Beginner's, Parable Beginner's, Guide. Beginner's Guide, Killer Seven, Oxen Free, Doki Doki, Breath yeah. of the Wild. And then we you took know, a hard, hard, sharp turn down when we went from Breath of the Wild to Super Metroid. <laughs> God, such an un- the most unpopular opinion probably ever. Yeah. Wait, we we did Killer Seven at the beginning too. That's also still a favorite. Oh, did I not say that one? I to this day I often think about Killer Seven. We still quote it to yeah. each other, so it, it did something. Boomers yeah. Don't know, right? We've Boomer we've played a lot, man. I, it's funny looking back at this library here, and one, it feels it feels cool to see like such a solid library um, that anybody listening to this podcast can feel free to check out as much as you want. They're not all topical episodes. They're not all current. You could. Uh, Learn a little bit about agency and gaming right after listening to our Left 4 Dead episode and see what we thought yeah. about Left 4 Dead. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, plenty Just of good the stuff here. Moral of the story is we are almost two years old now. We're an older podcast. And just like the podcast, I too, Lucas, am getting old. <laughs> I, Segway? I, I don't think anyone is... I don't think we're going to have any video of this out right now, but in my camera I'm holding up, I'm wearing a wrist guard or like a wrist brace right now. And God damn, I'm just so upset with how, how your body's been doing lately. Yeah. Like my wrist hurts now, probably from the climbing. That's definitely part of it, but I don't know. I wouldn't have had these issues like five years ago, you know, just very, very upsetting how we get old Lucas. We do. And then the body, I'm only fucking 25 about to be 26, but things just don't, you know, things I pull muscles easier, things like that. It's upsetting, but yeah, that man. said, I could also probably stretch more. So you know, there's a. <laughs> <laughs> you just solved all your problems right now. Yeah, and sometimes Lucas, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I feel like I'm playing a rogue like with my life. All right. But I wish I was there playing a rogue light. That's right, everyone. Today we are talking about rogue likes. A little bit of rogue lights and kind of everything in between. And before we get into that, as always, everyone, you can find this podcast um, social media handles on TikTok, Twitter, and, and Instagram at TFU Podcast. That's at TFU Podcast with an S at the end. As well, you can um, in the link tree on those social media handles, you can find our Discord. Um, 
coming out in the Discord. It's a good time. Uh, shoot us an email at thanksplainpod at gmail.com or come find our website, thanksplain.live, and you can find a link to the Discord there. Also, we're trying to do more YouTube content. I don't know if it'll be out when this episode's out, but Lucas has a video he's working on that we're both really excited about. Um, so I think it'll be great stuff. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, diving into roguelikes. Mm. Uh, I'm excited. You know, this is actually a topic that I think came up pretty recently in the Discord. Um, you know, basically, uh, Matt and I, uh, if, if you just recently listened to our Sifu episode, we were kind of talking about Sifu in relation to the roguelike genre, right? Where Sifu very, feels very similar to a roguelike or a roguelite video game, although it doesn't have any procedural generation, but you are playing through the same levels over and over and over again, trying to master them. Um, but without the procedural generation, the game ends up, you know, spoiler alert for the episode, we feel that the game fell, fell a little flat on its face um, without having any sort of excitement to a different type of thing that could happen a level. It's just the same level over and over and over again. Well, back in 1980, a game was developed called Rogue. Uh, an old computer game running on a Unix-based mainframe system. Rogue is a game where you play it as an adventure, going into a dungeon, progressing lower and lower in order to retrieve the Amulet of Yendor. And all the rooms in the dungeon were randomly generated each playthrough. Okay? Thereby creating the genre, the rogue-like. Games that are like rogue, where they are different every single playthrough. That's all we got. That's all we that's, got. That's, that's the, the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, we can get into it more, but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, and many... I mean, I think a lot of people refer to games, whether it's roguelite or roguelike as a genre. And it's almost... I'd almost call it more of a subgenre, in my opinion, because, I mean, for example, you know... There's a game, there's, I, I think it's more accurate to call roguelike, roguelite and roguelike elements of a game rather than the genre of a game. Because for okay. example, Sifu and, uh, Sifu and Hades both have a lot of roguelite elements. However, they are both very different genres of game. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm, same thing yeah. with... Um, actually, I have it. We should do this one for the podcast soon. Same thing with Returnal um, is a rogue... Actually, I think it might be roguelike. I'm not sure. Point is, it's a roguelike, roguelite, and it's another game that's very different from Sifu um, and any other genre out there, or any other of those kind of games out there, really. So Yeah, the actual mechanics of what you're doing in the game are so different. And like... Mm -hmm. Something can be a third-person shooter and a roguelike. Something can be a top-down dungeon crawler and a roguelite. Uh, something can be like um, a third-person fantasy adventure that's a roguelite roguelike, right? Or something could be like Sifu, where it's like a kung fu revenge tale roguelite, I suppose. And Returnal is actually a roguelike, so that's okay. pretty intense. So uh, let's, Lucas, why don't you give us the quick breakdown of what, I mean, on this podcast, we have struggled so much with roguelite versus roguelike. <laughs> no, I think we we fucked it up in the we, last episode. We really got it down now at this point, I think. So, Lucas, why don't you give us a quick little uh, lesson on roguelite versus roguelike with a K. Okay, gotcha. And shout out to friend of the pod, McDoogie's uh, inside the Discord server. I could be screwing up that. Matt, you have to double check me on the Discord server name for... For the homie, uh, it's very simple. Roguelikes 
don't have progression, permanent progression, rogue lights have permanent progression. The, the thing that confuses me or the reason why it messes me up is like, for some reason, the rogue, it, it sounds counterintuitive. I just feel like rogue lights don't have permanent progression. I don't know why. I'm just mixed up in my head when I, whenever I like. Well, it makes loud, sense but. when you think about it. I mean, rogue light being the light version of the game, it's, it's nicer. It's kinder too. There is actual progression in it. Yeah. It, that, it that's how you easier get. as you play. Whereas a rogue like is just hardcore kind of old procedural school. generation. You need to just get fucking good at the video game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's like where these two, like they're very, very similar, but they're different in that the difficulty curves are actually quite a bit different. So roguelikes have a regular difficulty curve, like a traditional old school game. There's no progression in the game necessarily. And therefore the only way to get good at the game, the only way to beat the game is to just get good at the game, just improve your skill over time. So you're grinding out the levels and the run until you can master it and beat the game while dealing with somewhat, while dealing with levels of like randomization and procedural generation and things like that. Where rogue lights, on the other hand, are pretty much designed to be beaten over a long period of time. Uh, so whether it's an increase in skill or because you grind out the progression system that's in the game, roguelites have an unusual difficulty curve where the game is actually the hardest at the very start, right? So take Hades, for example. We mentioned we did an episode on Hades in the past. It's It got a perfect 10 from this podcast and is, in my opinion, is one of the best games ever. Theoretically, your hardest run on Hades is actually your first run. Uh, and the game actually gets easier and easier as you progress through it. And then it, it, it's, it is a little bit of a masterfully designed game where you're not perceiving the first run as the hardest run. You're perceiving some of the later runs as the harder runs because there's just this ebb and flow of difficulty with Hades and enough like sort of random elements and procedural generation ends up happening to affect the difficulty level, et cetera, et cetera. Check out our episode on Hades for sure or just play the game because it's amazing. Um, whereas roguelikes are gonna be more of that pure experience. If you're an older gamer who grew up on like the NES or the SNES, I think roguelikes are gonna be a little bit more appealing and a little bit more familiar because that genre is really mirroring the conventions of like old games where you can't actually progress. There's no save points. You're just trying to beat the levels over and over again to try and play them as best as you possibly can. Like Mega Man, like Mario, uh, a lot of those old NES games. That's it's kind of what the roguelike genre really brings to the table these days. Yeah, and you know, Lucas, reading all this, I have a question for you. Is Pac-Man... A roguelike. <laughs> this is such a funny question. <laughs> this is like, I uh, no. I mean, I, no. I, I say no, but like, I, I feel like I can get argued here and be and feel wrong. I mean, it's an arcade game with a high score, but roguelikes can have high scores, so high scores don't define the genre. But if it you die in Pac-Man. You die in real life? No. You die. Um, <laughs> you, you restart. You kind of restart the game. You restart with nothing. You insert your quarters and you go again. In fact, Lucas, I'd go as far as to say our arcades are the existence of arcades and the way the have you play with the money system are those inherently roguelike. Wow. Well, is there random, is there RNG? Is there random generation of levels? Uh, 
You never know who you're going to run into in an arcade. You never honestly, know who is going to take your coins. Honestly, that's a that's actually a really interesting uh, thought to entertain. I mean, I feel like if you're playing Centipede and you're going for a high score, I mean, just uh, the, the score thing can exist in a roguelike or a roguelite for sure. I mean, I know that there's games like that with a score involved. So getting a high score is a win condition in a way. And then if they have randomly generated levels or the enemies get randomly generated, then yeah, you're dealing with random generation and therefore just trying to beat a level as best as you possibly can. Uh, I guess you can make an argument that some of those older games are. And here's another one for you. Let's assume for a minute, reincar- you know, I don't know what the fuck happens after we die. Let's assume it's reincarnation, right? <laughs> We're all playing roguelikes, if that's the case. Wait, so we don't... No, we'd be playing a roguelite. No, because if you die and you don't have any... You're not, what If you die and you fucking reincarnate as a fucking fish, what are you carrying over from your life? No, it depends on what sort of version of reincarnation you believe in. Because some people believe that your karma from your past life informs the reincarnation for your next I'm life. Therefore, making that, life a roguelite. I'm a, let's assume it's RNG. You have no idea what you're going to have your next life. You might end okay. up as a, as a fucking, you know, the next president, or you might be a fucking wasp. Just running around, gnawing on people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we're a roguelike. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. (laughs) I'm getting heady with this today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I, I was really bored at work today, so I was really ruminating on some stuff, you know? And I know I I have just with life lately, I've been in a very existential, almost nihilistic mood. And it's just like, fuck, dude, nothing matters. It's all crazy. What if? Yeah. Like, oh, man. (laughs) Dude, we're playing a roguelike right now. I think uh, I should I think, stop I think I'm gonna buy. <laughs> I, I think you're depressing a lot of our users for sure. I don't. It's just like uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. Wait. Well, um, what if you believe? Hang on. Let's just let's just go down that path real quick. Okay, what okay. if you believe in everlasting life, in or everlasting punishment in heaven or hell? What is life? What genre of game is life then? Oof. Um, is it like just a regular open, adventure It's game? like a Telltale game. Open world choices matter. Or not Telltale. And then um, you get the good ending or the bad ending. Yeah, open world choices matter. Either get a good ending or a bad ending. Okay, yeah. It's um, it's story-driven. It's a story-driven, choice-based, narrative-driven adventure game. Wow, this is, that's, that's good. I think we figured out what life could be. Uh, what was the game? What was the... Why am I forgetting the... With uh, Remy Malek and uh, Hayden Panettiere. The scary uh, game until play. dawn, yeah, dude. We we are in until dawn right now. That's probably the closest, like you know, an analogy for life that we could probably create in a video game. Yeah, well, or, life's yeah. a survival horror game. That's another way of viewing it. <laughs> uh, the stock market just, right just, now, maybe, <laughs> just, maybe just straight up. Yeah, okay, NFT we gotta get back. Doesn't have any value. No, no. We, we got it back on topic. But we gotta get back on topic. Um, <laughs> we went way off there. Um. On the roguelike genre or roguelite genre, uh, there's there's actually plenty of notable titles that are out there. There's a lot that has come out in the last few years that people have really, really loved. Um, Enter the Gungeon, obviously a really big one. Um, it's actually a pure roguelike, and uh, the ability, like, you don't have permanent progression in the game. You actually unlock new guns, which then appear in the playthrough of the, of the dungeon that you're entering. So... The guns are not necessarily going to be strictly better than the guns that you have in the very beginning, but you just have more choices uh, in the types of guns that you can use as you end up moving through your dungeon. 
So somewhat of a progression system there, which is pretty interesting. Uh, Rogue Legacy, which is actually on IGN's uh, top 10 roguelike list at number eight. Um, and it's really interesting. It's like a Metroidvania style game. It's like a 2D, um, you know, if you ever played Metroid or Celeste um, or Hollow Knight, you know exactly the kind of game it is. A platforming combat game. This game's interesting because you do have permanent progression in it, so it is a roguelite, but you actually have to dump all of your in-game currency before you enter the dungeon, and mm -hmm. thereby incentivizing you to actually make as much money in a single run so that you can use that money to uh, to progress as, as much as you can in one run. That's pretty interesting. Uh, the uh, Splunky and Splunky 2 are pure roguelikes. Uh, they do get, or at least in Splunky 1, you do get shortcuts that are available to you a little later on. Is that the one Damon Hatfield, Hatfield loves on GameScoop, or is that Slay the Spire? Uh, he loves Slay the Spire and Enter the Gungeon, I believe. Okay. Uh, but Spelunky, I think, is... Spelunky's a really beloved game. Uh, mm -hmm. Splunky 1 and Splunky 2, not so much, but people really do love Spelunky, and it's it's just your really, really cool roguelike game. Uh, it's a pure roguelike, so you kind of do have like three zones that you have to get through each with random generation. It's a platforming kind of 2D game, side-scrolling game. And um, really, really great game. I actually recommend anybody check out um, anything from the developer of that game. Uh, his name is slipping my mind. We'll definitely find it by the end of the episode. But um, very, very open about the development of Spelunky and like just a, a really, really beloved uh, gaming development face uh, for people. And uh, is very open about exposing sorry, game design elements of Spelunky, talking about what makes it tick, uh, what makes it fun? Why he made the choices that he made, and just a just a really good good uh, game altogether. And of course, Hades. Mm -hmm. I know we talked about it. We're, we're talking about it a lot in this episode, but it is number two on IGN's list. Yeah, well, IGN was all over the place with roguelite versus roguelite. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I don't understand that list because they were talking about. You know, I googled you know notable roguelite games, right? And fucking IGN just comes out with top ten roguelike games, right? And then I, I start reading like a little blur before they get to the list. And they're like, you know, actually, who the fuck knows what roguelike versus roguelite really means, right? We'll just give you our best rogues in general. And it's like, what the fuck? We just very easily defined like roguelite versus roguelike. I was just blown away by the... The journalism there. The poor journalism we've come to know from, from um, IGN. And oh my God, they gave 12 minutes like an eight, I think. Oh, what are they doing over there? I remember that. Oh. Jeez. Check that. Sorry, I'm um, topic. But yeah, so uh, like you said, Matt, I think it's pretty interesting how like all these games, although they're they're part of that same family of roguelike versus ro roguelite, they they really have different like completely different gameplay styles. Even Rogue, the original game, is like you know a Unix based like text based adventure game with random generation and stuff like that. Rogue Legacy is your Metroidvania. Into the Breach is actually like a tactics based game in like 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 a straight up tactics based like fire emblem type of game that's number nine on ign's list hades is obviously your top down like action just like action fighting game binding of isaac is like a zelda like um you know as in their terms of it's like a top down dungeon crawler that you progress through and like kind of have a really fun run or things like that and that game is extremely influential um at this point and remains actually number one on ign's list of top 10 uh roguelikes and each one of these just plays so different yet kind of leverages the same sort of progression or non-progression system, the random generation. Each of them has like a few things in common, but you can really go anywhere with with 
like the backdrop of a roguelike or a roguelike, especially like Slay the Spire, I think is like a deck building game. Uh, so that one I haven't really played. I don't really know too much about it, but um, I mean, a deck building game that's a roguelike. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting, you know. So if you yeah. if you just like, there's a certain itch that it scratches where, you know, you play a game, you have a really good run. The run maybe lasts thirty minutes, and you're dealing with randomness, but in a fun way. It's always like kind of makes you want to try it again, right? I remember like going on a Hades run, and it was like, oh, let me just do one more run. Let me just do yeah. one more run, right? Uh, and that's like kind of the maybe the dopamine rush of like a it's. Slot machine, right? You're you're getting random elements you're thrown at you, but it's yeah, it's how you deal with those random elements that makes yeah. it so interesting. Which is why Sifu was really like a weird in a weird zone because it was operating similar to a roguelike, but it did not have random generation. And if it did, it would have been a way way more compelling game. Um, I think I know this isn't the episode about Sifu, but it's just interesting how you can have that backdrop but still be very different. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I think the core of it, right, is just got to have that procedural generation. Um, Lucas, I have a question for you. You know, I, I think, you know, well, we can get into this. Roguelikes are definitely, you know, like we've talked about, more of a pure experience, right? It's more of the purest in a sense where, you know, if you grew up on the older stuff, you know, maybe playing a roguelike, probably that's what you're going to be more accustomed to. And then right. the roguelite is a little bit more forgiving you know maybe a little bit more friendly to the average gamer right you know mm. I'll, I'll say for myself i don't i mean i i want to play returnal for example but i think overall when you just look at the genre of the games or not genre the elements of these games i i definitely prefer roguelite yeah t because i like progression in my games and you know and I don't like the fact that a game may be so hard that I can just never beat it for me, right? And it, it brings me to the question is, with roguelikes generally not getting any easier and having just a very get good curve basically to beat the game, is are roguelikes inherently bad for accessibility? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question actually. Um, I'd say, yeah, yeah. Like just to answer it as, as like succinctly as I could is, yeah, you know, any game that it's just get good is like the way mm -hmm. you beat it is always going to be a very tough accessibility space to be in, right? It's almost worse than even games like, say, Elden Ring or I'm not really sure how much you can like backtrack and level back up in Dark Souls, but a game like Dark Souls, right, where at least then you can like maybe go back and get more souls to level up or more runes, whatever it is, right? In those kind of games and rethink your strategy, maybe get a different weapon. But in a roguelike, you're just kind of... You have fucked. to get mechanically good at the game. And it's you not even like a, a pattern memorization thing necessarily because there is going to be RNG in most of these games, right? So it's not even just, okay, I need to memorize these patterns. It is, no, you need to mechanically, yep, from a technical standpoint... And a systems learning standpoint, get very, very good at interacting with the world within this game. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think you're right there. I think it is a tough uh, space to be in from an accessibility standpoint. Unfortunately, you know, like there's going to be people out there that will just never get to the end of Spelunky, right? There's people that will never beat the Binding of Isaac, and uh, 
I don't know, it, you know, this is this is weird to say, but th theoretically it's possible that more people will be able to beat something like Elden Ring because you can grind through mm -hmm. that game, but the I you know, it's just it's more of a theoretical like thought experiment that I'm throwing out there. It's not real practical because it's still going to take you 200 hours to grind. Like it would take you hours and hours and hours of untold grinding to to really actually get to the point where Elden Ring is easier than something like Binding of Isaac or Spelunky. So yeah, I don't know. You're right. The The accessibility is a really tough area to land, um, whereas roguelite for sure is going to be like, is striking that healthier balance of accessibility. I'll tell you what, too, with Binding of Isaac. I mean, I think that game must be incredibly hard because I have a, a good friend from college. Um, I have him on Steam and the only game I ever see him playing is just fucking Binding of Isaac. Really? It, it's been that way for years, like since college. Yeah. <laughs> People love there, that game. There was an Elden Ring time in there where he was playing that for a bit, and now he's just back to Binding of Isaac. People love. I remember Binding of Isaac when it was in high, when I was in high school. It was like junior senior year. People were loving it. Yeah. Um, one thing I I did want to talk is I think that generally, as games gamers or just games in general rogue lights are becoming more commonplace i think like i mean a rogue light game won game of the year in in 2020 so our one ign's game of the year in 2020 and that was hades and i was really surprised when that one got picked i mean obviously it's worth it it's it's completely like deserving of that reward um but it is interesting that it's a rogue light you know it has a progression system it's beatable um, and it solves that issue where what you're talking about with accessibility, where the game is like kind of always hard and you just have to get good. Um, it totally solves that issue. So it makes you feel good as you play the game. Uh, whereas like rogue likes kind of might make you feel a little bit bad. Um, cause you're not, you're not getting a, a that, that really solid like numbers on the screen going up dopamine rush. Um, so I, th I think generally we're moving more towards a rogue light economy, uh, where we're just getting more games that are kind of in that zone. Um, you did you did put up uh, this article here from GamerRank uh, GamerRanks.com of uh, 15 new roguelike games uh, coming out in 2022, and um, you know some of them are are more on the roguelite side of things. I realize than uh, than on the roguelike, uh, just because there is some progression in there. There's actually some co-op in a couple of these, and uh, yeah, it's just just experiment more experimentation with the genre, uh, more unique ways to make people feel good and not feeling like the whole thing's just a no zero or just a zero sum game, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I even saw one that had like more Greek elements kind of akin to fucking Hades. Hades. Yeah. And it's just like, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that is a, yeah. Achilles legends of untold. Yeah. Um, I see that one. That is just a very, very hot, genre right now as we have previously discussed but the one i'm most excited for personally has got to be uh killer bean <laughs> developed by you guessed it developed and polished by you guessed it killer bean studio limited liability corporation uh coming out on the pc in 2022 uh killer bean is a game about a killer bean is there anything more that needs to be said that hasn't sold everyone. Killer Bee is a procedurally generated roguelike that offers heaps of replayability in the game. Players take control of Killer Bean as he tries to take down the shadow agency that portrayed him. So it has Killer Beans, Secret Agents, Betrayal, and roguelike third-person shooter gameplay. 
it may be the best game ever. <laughs> um, so so to me, just, just kind of reading that, it does sound like it's more of a roguelite just because it has like secret secrets and ha it sounds like it has somewhat of a silly story there as well. And it's hard to do a story if you're just a pure roguelike, yes. right? So Hades does a really good job of doing story as a roguelite because story is part of the progression over time. The more you play the game, the more story you get. So if you're trying to develop a story, it kind of you kind of have to be a roguelite. And it sounds like this one has a little bit of a silly story as the killer bean um, looks hilarious to me. Third person shooter, too. So unique as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, pretty, pretty interested to see that one once it comes out. But Lucas, do you have any experience with roguelike MMOs? No, that is interesting. Um, I know that like Diablo has um, a permadeath system uh, when you're playing or what's the RuneScape one? Is it? Uh, there's a RuneScape mode you can play that's permadeath. I think it's Hardcore Iron Man. That's yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, there, there, you're, there are MMOs where, yeah, there's permadeath. It's. I think that's the only thing it shares necessarily with like the genre is the permadeath thing. I'm not sure... If the I guess it has some random generation. That's that's an interesting genre. Imagine cross playing uh, Valheim with only one life, basically, and it's just oh a roguelike. We wouldn't have beat the first boss I know. if we did that. Yeah. And <laughs> just imagine all your friends like die, and you're the only one left in that world. They've all gone onto a new server, and you're still persisting. Oh, <laughs> it's gonna crazy. be sad. Yeah. Oh man. Well. Uh, did you have anything else for roguelikes or roguelites? Uh, that's all I got. You know, I, I'll just say I, I think roguelike is probably the most pure form of a video game, in my opinion. I roguelite as well, obviously, and you know, I'll I'll always take a roguelite. I think over a roguelike, just because of the kind of gamer I am. I like, you know, I'm. I'm okay. I can live with the fact that I might not be able to be good enough at a video game to beat it. I don't mind that. So I much I much prefer the inverse of where the game inherently gets easier over time of a rogue light, like in Hades, because you're getting more upgrades, you're getting more boons, whatever it is. That is definitely my preference. That said, I am very interested to try out a rogue like properly. And I'll probably be Returnal for me. Returnal is going to build over for the pod sometime. Or I might just yeah. play for fun. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, really cool. I think, uh, you know, for those of you out there that um, that are into these, I think there's plenty of gamers out there that, like, these are basically the only games that they play, mm -hmm. for sure. And, like, they're just, the genre, I think, is everybody's kind of looking for the next hot roguelike. Um, you know, I know people that, like, jump from Den Cells to, like, Enter the Gungeon to Slide the Spire, and it's just, they just love these games, and they just can't get enough of them. So, for those listeners out there that are listening, feel free to write in, join the Discord with your favorite roguelike or roguelite. Uh, let us know what you love about it, and uh, maybe we'll play it. Yes, love it. This was a fun one. Um, I had a really fun getting into our little kind of existential talk there. Um... <laughs> But all right, everyone, uh, as always, you can find the pod. I think you're playing, well, TFP Podcast. That's TFP Podcast with the end, with an S at the end on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. Shoot email, thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. Uh, find our website, thanks for playing .live. You can find a link to our Discord in the link trees or on our website. And if you haven't already, tell a friend about the podcast. Maybe you have someone else that you know loves Hades, um, loves really goofy episode titles, um, and just loves <laughs> simps like we do. And tell them to come hang out. It's a good time. We love um, chatting with you on the Discord and getting to interact with you. 
brings Lucas and I both a lot of joy with the wonderful little community we've uh, built together. So love it. Uh, and if you want to hang out with your good buddy, Matt, you can find me on Twitter at good idea, Matthew, uh, really all I tweet about these days. Well, I really just retweet soccer takes. So that's about it for me. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, if you want to follow me, you can find me uh, on Instagram at good idea, Lucas. Uh, you can find me on the discord server. If you want to talk about video games, you want to talk about magic, you want to talk about roguelikes or roguelites, uh, feel free to hit me up and, uh, Hey, maybe we'll play uh, a game that you really love for sure. Love it. All right, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skibbity bop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle 